the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese. Good morning, and welcome to Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial winning. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you financial, solid financial strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, Please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and CIVIC. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, welcome to a beautiful day in Northeast Ohio. The sun is shining and the temperature is right. We still have those memories of that wonderful Christmas holiday with us. And we now have our New Year's resolutions, whatever they are. Mine are to exercise more, uh, lose the weight that I put on uh, since Thanksgiving and Christmas. An extra helping of this and uh, helping of that and uh, more cookies and and, uh don't you try to holidays. <laughs> but the holidays are only once a year. But it all adds up. So uh, we have to get on our diet until we get down to our fighting weight again. Also, I need to appreciate my family even more and keep them uh, part of this uh, Christmas season. You know, get together with the family. Some of the families haven't been together in a year. You know, and uh, the kids are here and there and everywhere. And it's... Uh, the travel was so difficult, so uh, it was wonderful getting around and, and seeing the children and the grandchildren again. And uh, you know, now that the uh, now that the uh, uh, season is over, I have to basically lay out a plan for the for the new year. And 
And we still have those everyday tasks to confront to contend with. So, you know, on Monday, it's back to work we go. And then the, the holidays are over and we have to pay attention to all those things that the holidays have basically distracted us from. Uh, <clears throat> at home, you know, as the weather forces us indoors, uh, we'll have the time to finish all those smaller miscellaneous jobs that were not important when we had other things to do, like uh, organizing the basement, uh, organizing the garage, uh, putting away the holiday decorations, uh, uh, <clears throat> but, you know, just finishing those small jobs around the uh, house and around the property, organizing, oh, then there's another thing, organizing the income tax file. You know, uh, that's always a, something to look at uh, between now and April 15th. What, what I do is uh, make a, a preliminary pass through it and uh, see what the big numbers will look like and then put it away for a while and think about it and then uh, before April 15th, go back and really finalize it. And then we also have uh, planning for the job that we're going to start in the spring, the landscaping and the painting of the house and all the other jobs that we have to get done. And while we're inside, we can keep track of what's happening in the economy and basically what that means for our investments and for our goals. Uh, this week, uh, global equities were mostly negative in the United States. The three major stock indices were down for the week. In the UK, the FTSE 100 was up for the week, while in the European Union, the DAX, the CAC, and the stock uh, Europe 600 were all down for the week. And in Asia, China's Shanghai Composite was down for the week, as well as uh, uh, Japan's Nikkei. So it was basically a negative week <clears throat> for equities uh, on Friday. The three major U.S. stock indices closed their uh, first week of trading in 2022 at the Dow Jones closed at 36,231.66, and that was down only 0.29% uh, uh, for the week. Uh, the Standard & Poor 500 uh, closed at 4,677. 0.03, and it was down 1.87% for the week. And the NASDAQ uh, closed at 14,935.90, and that was down 4.53% for the week. So <clears throat> the tech stocks uh, took a beating uh, last week. And you know, if you take a look at where we're at, in spite of the strong economy and the strong earnings that we've seen in uh, 2021, you know, we're, we're basically the strong earnings have been because companies have been able to defend their profit margins despite the higher uh, input uh, prices and costs due to labor and transportation and just about everything else. So. Investors are now feeling uncertain about basic about the two two big things. One is uh, how will this new coronavirus uh, variant, this uh, Omicron, uh, uh, retard the global eco economic recovery? 
and our return to normalcy. And the other one is how quickly the Federal Reserve uh, will tighten the uh, uh, the credit markets in order to uh, uh, address inflation. In other words, the latest inflation numbers that the Federal Reserve was looking at was the, uh, the consumer price index for uh, for November. Uh, the, the headline number was uh, an increase of eight tenths of one percent month over month uh, from October to November, and a six point eight percent increase uh, over the past uh, twelve months. And if you take a look at the uh, personal consumption expenditure, which is similar to the CPI, and it's the one that the Federal Reserve uh, likes to quote more than the CPI, uh, that went up six tenths of a percent month over month, and the the year over year number was five point seven percent. So the inflation is there, and the um, uh, the Federal Reserve is uh, about to start to tighten uh, the uh, credit markets. And uh, basically the minutes that came out uh, Wednesday this week, the minutes of their December 14th and 15th Federal Open Market Committee meeting uh, that was released Wednesday, that was much more hawkish than uh, revealed at the press conference uh, after the meeting in uh, December. So... um, Let's talk about first things first here. Uh, this Omicron, Omicron uh, crone, or whatever it is, uh, variant has spread fast since we first heard about it in November. It is apparently more contagious than the Delta variant, but uh, what we've seen so far, apparently less deadly. Uh, the number of cases has increased dramatically, the number of hospitalizations and, and Yes, uh, and have not increased that dramatically. So you're talking about uh, you're talking about cases. You're talking about um, over. This is from the New York Times uh, with the Omicron variant spreading rapidly. The country is averaging more than 500,000 new cases a day, for more far more than any previous point in the pandemic. Omicron appears to cause less severe illness than prior forms of the virus, but has contributed to upticks in hospitalizations. Reports of new infections are rising steadily almost everywhere in the country. Uh, Case rates are highest in the Northeast states, including New York, New Jersey, and Rhode Island. Hospitalizations have increased more than 50% 50% over the past two weeks, a steep incline, but so far a much lower uh, rate of increase in cases. Uh, more than 100,000 coronavirus patients are hospitalized nationwide, and deaths, which are a lagging indicator of virus activity, have not yet increased. So you're looking at somewhere in the order of 1,400 uh, deaths a day. Uh, and uh, to me, it's, uh, I just traveled back from uh, Denver, and uh, this was on the uh, was the end of the year. It was, uh, I think it was on the 30th or the 31st. And uh, basically, the airports were packed, and the, uh, uh, the airlines were full. 
So people are traveling and uh, people are uh, <clears throat> assessing, you know, basically you know, what it boils down to is everybody has to assess uh, uh, whether they're fully vaccinated or how, how they're prepared uh, to meet this. In other words, most of the people that if you talk to the over 65 uh, people over 65, approximately uh, uh, 88% of them are vaccinated. So the vaccination numbers depend upon the age group and the people that are most vulnerable are the older people and they react by uh, getting their two shots or of the uh, Pfizer and uh, Moderna and also with maybe the one shot of uh, uh, Johnson & Johnson plus a booster shot. So uh, people are uh, seeing this happen and continuing with their, uh, you know, with their daily lives. You might see more masks uh, than you've seen before, but, uh, you know, that was uh, apparently is part of this this new normal we're getting into with regard to this uh, COVID, uh, when the number of cases go up, the masks go up, and and then uh, when the number of cases go down, then we all kind of relax, relax a little bit. So um, it's it's hard to tell I, from from what I'm seeing in the uh, the uh, economic news, anyhow. Uh, they're they're not placing as much emphasis on the Omicron as they did on the Delta, in a sense of slowing down the economy. They feel that it's going to be uh, we're getting down to the point where people are getting more back to normal uh, with this uh, uh, <clears throat> COVID uh, uh, pandemic, and they talk about someday you know getting to the point where it's endemic which means that it's kind of like the normal flu. Uh, but we're not there yet, so you still have to be cautious. You still have to get your vaccinations and things of this nature. The other thing that people were concerned about uh, this week were the uh, uh, the Federal Reserve. Uh, the Federal Reserve had their meeting in uh, the Federal Open Market Committee meeting happened in, uh, I think it was December 14th and 15th, uh, and the minutes came out on Wednesday, and uh, there they uh, they talked about uh, hey we're going to uh, speed up the uh, uh, tapering of the bond buying operation so that bond buying will be completed faster than originally planned. Hopefully, though, they can get it completed. Uh, the bond buying operation I'm talking about is uh, since the um, <clears throat> Since the pandemic started, the Federal Reserve has been buying approximately $120 billion of bonds a month. Uh, of that, $120, $80 billion were U.S. Treasuries, and the other part were mortgage-backed security bonds from uh, Fannie and Freddie. Uh, they, they decided that uh, a while ago, in September, they decided to start tapering that down and... Uh, in the December meeting, they decided to really uh, uh, aggressively change that tapering so that that bond-buying operation of $120 billion a month will be down to zero by March. 
then that'll be followed quickly uh, by raising the federal funds rates and uh, possibly even in March. Uh, and uh, the gradually plan there was to gradually increase that, you know, approximately several steps, uh, maybe one quarter percent a step, uh, several steps a year so that the uh, federal funds rate would increase at about 1% per year. Uh, it would have been done at several steps during the year. And also they talked about in this newsletter, in this uh, summary or the minutes of the meeting, they talked about the possible runoff of the Federal Reserve $8.77 trillion balance sheet and how that's going to work. So, so basically what you're looking at is uh, uh, currently the bonds in the Federal Reserve portfolio, uh, when they re- mature, they'll be replaced by a like bond. And so we're, they're basically just rolling over the bonds. But if the Federal Reserve begins to reduce their bond portfolio, uh, such as if a bond matures, then they'll cash it out and return the money to the U.S. Treasury. Uh, that's called a runoff, bond runoff. And uh, the possibility of the Federal Reserve reducing uh, their runoff as the, the reducing or running off their uh, bond portfolio was discussed in that December uh, Federal Open Market Committee meeting. And uh, that uh, only appeared in the minutes. It didn't appear in the uh, press conference after the meeting. So what you're looking at is uh, investors' concern about what the Federal Reserve is doing in terms of tapering the quantitative easing or tapering the buying of bonds at $120 billion. They're also looking at raising the federal funds rate. So when will that be raised? Uh, originally, the discussion uh, months ago was, well, oh, they'll, they'll finish it up and maybe they'll, they'll start raising rates in the uh, third quarter or something like that. Well, now it's moving closer to the first quarter. And... Uh, in this talk about uh, running off the uh, Federal Reserve balance sheet, um, basically all of these are forms of tightening of the credit market, you know, making money less available and the rates higher and things of this nature. So that's one of the things that I think uh, uh, stopped uh, people in their tracks on, uh, you know, Wednesday when, I, when they, uh, the minutes came out. So, uh, Basically, you know, if we take a look at where we're at in the the big picture, uh, basically we're looking at a strong economy, and the strong economy showed up in the the industrial production. It basically basically surged above this uh, uh, pre-COVID lockdown levels that, that met its target in October last October, and of course, home sales, uh, home sales here are uh, continuing to increase. Uh, new home construction is going like, still going like gangbusters. Uh, I think it's a matter of uh, are people seeing the 30-year uh, mortgage rates increase. Um, you know, they're the last year it was uh, 
in some cases less than 3%. Now it's about 3.2% and rising. So that's going to be one of the one of the casualties of this increase in the, uh, the federal funds rate and the increase in interest rates. So <clears throat> basically, wherever you look in the economy, there are problems with regard, regard to the supply chains. Uh, but those problems are basically a function of the uh, uh, the COVID uh, that's keeping people uh, out of work and disrupting the ports and disrupting the transportation and disrupting manufacturing. And uh, manufacturing is uh, working at basically as fast as it can to produce the products with regard to the, the, the problems it's having. But uh, uh, the economy is uh, just wazing its way through all this stuff. And, and if it does it, it uh, uh, probably this year, uh, we won't see the same. Well, we won't see the same returns that we did last year, you know, because uh, I think uh, the economy will be getting uh, better uh, foundation in terms of, of getting through these uh, tie-ups in the supply, and so that'll be a good thing. But you won't have the uh, fiscal stimulus, and the fiscal stimulus, if you recall, in two thousand and and uh, 20, uh, the government poured $4 trillion, uh, $4 trillion into the economy with regard to checks and unemployment benefits. And, and then in 2021, in the start of the year, uh, uh, we had the another uh, big fiscal stimulus where they were giving out checks and unemployment benefits and... and uh, uh, things of this nature, and uh, then you had the uh, the monetary stimulus. The monetary stimulus basically was the Federal Reserve cutting the interest rates down uh, to as low as possible and going through this quantitative easing process of buying $120 billion of bonds a month. Well, uh, <clears throat> the fiscal stimulus is over. And but there's still a lot of money that's in the hands of the uh, in the savings accounts of people, and uh, they they can still spend. The job market is, uh, and we'll talk about that later in the show. The job market is just uh, there's more jobs than you can shake a stick at. Uh, to me, it's uh, everywhere you look. There's help wanted ads. Uh, to me. Uh, uh, the job market is there. The uh, the uh, manufacturing uh, is is uh, uh, going as fast as it can with regard to its restrictions, and the service industries are also uh, moving as fast as they can too, because the money that uh, from the stimulus is. That, that uh, originally went into buying hard goods is now going into buying services because you have to wait so much, wait so long for these for these hard goods. So basically, the stimuluses are gone this year, this coming this year that we're in right now, and the Federal Reserve is going to start to tighten uh, the uh, uh, the interest rates, 
And what you're going to see is the, uh, you know, the standard and poor last year, I think made uh, 20, standard poor 500 made uh, uh, 28% uh, over last year. Uh, what you're going to see this year is probably uh, from what we've seen so far, uh, more in the uh, 10 or 15% uh, range, simply because interest rates are going up, the, the stimulus is gone. Uh, the positive part of it is that the, uh, once the, we get the supply chains um, untangled, uh, the uh, industries will be able to get back to a normal footing and there'll be a normal uh, spending pattern. So there's good news and bad news, but it's primarily uh, good news. So um, we take a look at our uh, our micro uh, plan, which is the, uh, the plan, your financial plan, that we talk about in terms of uh, uh, where your goals are. And, uh, have you identified your goals? Have you um, developed a plan to uh, utilize your income uh, to protect that plan? You know, you, you said you're going to retire, you're going to uh, buy a house, you're going to get um, married. Uh, all of these things require uh, taking a look at your future income and saying, okay, uh, we're going to put so much into this investment or that investment or this bucket, whatever you want to call it, and uh, we're going to let it grow. And uh, so it's a matter of uh, budgeting and planning and looking at all those things that uh, even after you do uh, develop your roadmap and your financial plan, uh, that says, okay, we're going to take a certain portion, we're going to take 10% of this money and put it into the uh, 401k or the retirement plan. We're going to put another uh, monies into saving up for the down payment for the house. We're going to put more monies into uh, the education for the children. Uh, even once you've got the plan laid out, you still have to stay on top of the plan and make sure that... Uh, it's working the way you want it to work. And if it doesn't, then you've got to make a, a mid-course correction, so to speak, and get it back on track. And in addition to all that, you've got to be wary of all those things that are, you know, your health insurance and your life insurance and your home insurance and all the rest of the stuff that, uh, uh, that to make sure that you're not exposed to risk that, that you can uh, pay somebody else to absorb those risks, i.e. the insurance companies. So uh, the important thing is that uh, you know, the economy is uh, strong, the economy is good, and you should have a uh, good uh, financial plan in your, your life uh, to make sure that uh, you take advantage of all the things, all the years that you've got uh, left in, in terms of uh, uh, raising the family and retiring and feeling prosperous and having a secure retirement. So um, this is Jim McAleese. Uh, you, can give us, you can give us a call. Um, 
with your comments and concerns and questions. The number here is 1-888-281-1110. That's 1-888-281-1110. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, buying your next home, planning for retirement, finding that right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. You know, he's talking about the economy and what it's doing. And yesterday, uh, the Department of Commerce released their employment situation report for December. And uh, it was startling in the sense that it showed non-farm payroll growth in December of only 199,000. That's significantly less than the uh, consensus expectation of uh, 400,000 jobs. But uh, that was also similar to November's low-ball payroll growth of only 249,000. And uh, uh, both were significantly less than October's payroll a growth of 648,000. So it was the uh, basically the smallest payroll uh, gain uh, for 2021. So uh, to provide some context uh, to this number, uh, let's take a look at what happened in uh, the payroll growth for 2021. I'll just rattle off the numbers, and uh, what they do is show you the the size of the numbers as well as the volatility. Uh, January uh, of last year, we had uh, 233,000 uh, jobs. February, 468. March, 785,000. April, uh, 269,000. May, 583,000. June, 962,000. July was 1,000,000. 91,000 jobs. August was 483,000. September was 379,000. October was 648,000. November was 249,000. And December, the one I just talked about, 
199,000. So basically what you're seeing is the average job growth in 2001 amounted to 537,000 jobs per month. So, you know, we at a certain point in that 2021, uh, <clears throat> we expected to, to see numbers like 600, 700, 800,000. And it was a little bit of a shock to see this 199,000. So what happened? Well, basically the jobs are there. Uh, in a minute, we'll talk about the JOLT report, uh, which talks about the job openings and labor turnover survey. And they're showing you got something like positions, uh, 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 10.6 million positions that are open. So uh, there's basically jobs everywhere, but the workers are in short supply. A major part of the answer is the COVID, uh, either the Delta or the Omicron. Uh, the number of cases, they come like waves, you know, the Omicron variant appeared in November, and November and December payroll growth is significantly lower, okay? That could be a COVID would be responsible for that. In addition, after the original, uh, after the COVID pandemic started in March of, uh, or February, March, April of 2020, uh, the older workers had been drifting off into the retirement. So the words, uh, uh, the people that intend as to retire at 65 now are looking at, well, you know, uh, I don't. Uh, I don't. Um, I'm afraid that uh, uh, I'll get sick. You know, maybe I'll retire early. Maybe rather than 65, it'll be 62 or or 60 or something like that. So uh, what we're seeing is that there aren't enough workers, uh, and uh, it shows up in these uh, payroll numbers. And uh, but. If we take a look at the numbers that the Federal Reserve or the government would get, uh, they look at the unemployment rates, too. And basically what you're seeing is that the uh, in December, the unemployment rate fell from 4.2 to 3.9 percent. And there was a drop of three-tenths of one uh, percent in one month. So... Uh, the number of unemployed persons fell by close to a half a million uh, to 6.3 million. Now, if you take a look and compare, well, where are we at now in terms of unemployment and un unemployed people? And pre, before the COVID hit, the unemployment rate was 3.5. Now it's 3.9%, which is pretty close to 3.5 if you're standing on the uh, steps of the Federal Reserve and saying, well, let's see, a few more months, and this may be dropping at uh, four-tenths of a percent uh, the month before last and three-tenths of a percent this last month. Uh, we're going to get down to 3.5% before you know it. And then the number of unemployed pre-COVID stood at 5.7 million. And now we're at 6.3 million. So both of those numbers would indicate that, uh, to the Federal Reserve, anyhow, that we are at full employment or approaching full employment. So, and 
boy, is that you're eager to hire across the country. There's nearly 10.6 million unfilled jobs at the end of November, uh, the, uh, exceeding the number of uh, exceeds the number of unemployed workers seeking jobs. Employers are increasingly holding on to the workers they have uh, with layoffs uh, uh, declining and applications for original for initial jobless claims. Uh, this week was 207,000, and uh, uh, the unemployment problem is still, uh, if you're unemployed, the unemployment problem is still serious uh, because we've got 1,754,000 workers continuing from month to month on those unemployment rolls. Uh, the jobless rate remains higher than the pre-pandemic rate of 3.5%, but other measures uh, like uh, wage growth clearly suggest that the labor market is tightening. The average hourly pay for the private sector work, worker climbed 4.7% in December. That's 4.7% over that past 12 months uh, ending in December. And uh, uh, the Labor Department shows that uh, uh, for December, uh, the wages, non-farm payroll wages, uh, rose 19% per hour to $31.31 per hour. So uh, the the very fact that uh, there's a lot of jobs that go begging, plus the very fact that the uh, wages are going up, would indicate that this is a, a tight labor market. Uh, if we take a look at the um, the actual numbers themselves and the uh, private sector, according to this December report, the private sector gained uh, 211,000 workers to a workforce of 127 million workers. And this, and uh, Last December, December of 2020, which is over a year ago, uh, that number stood at 121 million. So, uh, the, this time, what we're seeing in the private sector, the private goods producing sector gained 54,000 jobs in December. Manufacturing uh, got uh, 26,000. Construction got 22,000. And mining, which includes uh, gas and oil exploration, they got six thousand. So uh, the the, the uh, manufacturing and the construction are doing fine, and also the uh, the service uh, sector, uh, the private service uh, sector, is doing fine. They added one hundred fifty-seven thousand jobs. So when you look at it, you're seeing that uh, non-farm Employment has increased by 18.8 million uh, since uh, uh, April of 2020, and it's uh, uh, it's down by uh, 3.6 million or 2.3 percent from its pre-pandemic level in February of 2020. So, if you take a look at leisure and hospitality, uh, that grew 53,000 jobs in. Uh, uh, December, and uh, that they're still short. Uh, these are in hospitality. They've added 2.6 million jobs in 2021, but they're still down 1.2 million 
uh, if you compare that to February of 2020, employment in professional and business services, uh, they added uh, 43,000 jobs in December. And if you take a look at where those jobs were, uh, 10,000 were in computer systems design and related services. Uh, 9,000 were in architectural and engineering services. And uh, 6,000 were in scientific research and development. Manufacturing, uh, I just mentioned that, added 26. Construction added 22,000. Transportation and warehousing, and that added uh, 19,000. Wholesale trade added 14,000. Mining added 6,000. The payroll growth of 199,000. Uh, jobs in December may look disappointing, but there's indications that the labor market is tight. And, uh, uh, you know, when we talk about the unemployment rate of 3.9, in a few months that will probably be down to 3.5, which is considered to be the gold standard for full, un- for full employment. And the wages are moving up to the tune of 4.7% over the last 12 months, and uh, the non-farm uh, employment has increased by 18.8 million since uh, April of 2020. So all of those numbers would dovetail with the Federal Reserve's plan uh, to complete their bond buying uh, uh, operation by March and start their uh, federal rate increases by then. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. So what you're seeing is that uh, the uh, employment situation, uh, we've added, uh, we're adding 537,000 jobs a month. We've added 18 million jobs in the last year. Uh, and we turn our, our attention to the uh, the next part of it was the, which, which is the job opening and labor turnover uh, survey. That's the JOLTS report. And uh, the JOLTS report is for uh, November. Uh, comes out a month later, the job situation report. And it basically showed that uh, uh, there are 10,562,000 jobs that are posted as open. And, uh, uh, you know, what we're seeing there is that uh, the, the jobs, uh, job openings uh, were down 4.3% from uh, October to November. The hires were up, the uh, number of hires were up 2.9%. And the quits, and the quits were up 8.9%. The thing that they, they point to in this particular report is that the number of people quitting their jobs is also indicative of the tight labor market in terms of saying, okay, uh, I've got a job, and uh, you know, you go to the shop and you, you ask where Harry's at, and uh, he's the guy that uh, was working next to you uh, with Where's Harry at? He's, he's, he's got another job down at such and such. Oh, okay. You know that Harry didn't leave as lateral. 
uh, he left because he got a raise it's, it was by going to another job. So the big question is, what other job did he go to? Because you're thinking that, uh, hey, I'm going to go there too if I don't get a raise here. So uh, the number of, uh, of uh, people that are quitting is uh, going up and up and up. Uh, you're looking at somewhere in the order of uh, uh, quits uh, from November of last year to November of uh, November of 2000, quits from November of 2020 to November of 2021, were up 37%. So there's a lot of people there that do have a job. They're looking around and they're saying, I'll bet you I can find another job that's even better. And uh, they're switching jobs. And that's basically adding to the, the turmoil of the whole situation, too. So uh, the, the jobs are out there. Uh, the positions are open. The, the wages are going up. And the critical element is there are enough people uh, to fill the jobs. So. It's indicative of the tight job market and the strong economy. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, you've got any questions, uh, give us a call. The number here is 1-888-281-1110. Now stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, uh, Jim McAleese. Uh, you can give us a call. Our toll-free number is 1-888-281-1110. Uh, did I see a light? You sure did, Jim. Um, we had a call from Lou this morning, and he's got a great question. Beginning of the year, you know, everybody's kind of wondering how things are going to work, but he has his Medicare premium payments um, automatically deducted directly from his Social Security benefits, and he wants to know, how do I withdraw money from his health savings account to pay for the premiums instead that way? Okay, <laughs> that's a that's a good question, and I have a good answer for you. <laughs> well, you can you can easily withdraw money uh, from your uh, uh, you can tax free money from your health savings account to reimburse yourself for those uh, Medicare premiums. So, so after you turn sixty five, you can basically use the health savings account money tax free to pay premiums for Medicare, Parts A, and Parts B and D, and Medicare Advantage. Uh, but somehow or other, there's, you can't use them for paying premiums for your uh, Medicare supplemental policy. I don't understand that, but that's the, the rules are rules. And uh, uh, so you can use that, uh, your health savings money, to pay for your uh, Medicare uh, B and D and or your Medicare Advantage. 
pay in other in other uh, out of pocket medical expenses. So uh, there's no time limit for withdrawing the money from the health savings account to pay for these expenses. If you keep uh, you can keep the money growing tax deferred in the account and then withdraw it tax free at any time in the future, basically to reimburse yourself for any expenses, eligible expenses that you've incurred since you've opened the uh, health savings account. So uh, if you had a, uh, you know, for instance, if you had a health savings account for several years and didn't uh, realize you could withdraw the tax-free money for the uh, Medicare premiums, then you, you can reimburse yourself for all those premiums at any time. You just need to keep the, you know, you, get, you need to have good bookkeeping to keep those, uh, receipt showing that you paid for those expenses, so you can't uh, uh, and you can't withdraw money for expenses you incurred before you opened the health savings account. So, uh, in any case, when you're dealing with the, the bookkeeping where the government could uh, question you, it's important that you maintain the uh, payments, the proof of the payments, and documentation that uh, the expenses were eligible and. You know, to directly answer your question, yeah, Medicare uh, premiums are eligible um, uh, medical costs to be reimbursed by your uh, HSA. So, um, good question. I'm, gonna, I'm glad we we I'm glad we had a a good and a nice answer for you, a happy answer for you. So, this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-888-281-1110. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Jim Bagley, you're listening to Get Rich Slow this morning. Uh, you know, we started the show off talking about the, you know what happened this week, and uh, one of the big things was this uh, minutes of this uh, federal Federal Reserve's Open Market Committee meeting on December 14th and 15th. So uh, uh, they just published the, uh, the minutes on Wednesday, and uh, the stock indices. Uh, fell as investors worried that the Federal Reserve might respond more aggressively uh, to rising inflation than they previously anticipated. So uh, this might, uh, uh, if you take a look at, at what the Federal Reserve is looking at, you see that, uh, uh, you know, we, <clears throat> we can make, we can talk about how this inflation is it is transitory in, in terms of well, it's gone up, and once we get through these uh, uh, the, uh, misalignment in the, uh, in the uh, production and the transportation and all the rest of the stuff, the uh, uh, the the, the uh, inflation will go down, and it probably will, but it it won't go down as fast as it far as the Federal Reserve would want it to go down. If you take a look at what happened uh, Wednesday, 
the standard of Gore 500 dropped 1.9% to 47,000.58. The Dow Jones Industrial dropped 1.1%, and the NASDAQ Composite Index dropped 3.3%. That was the largest one-day decline since uh, last February. So what's uh, the thing to look at is that the... Uh, uh, the yield of the two-year Treasury, uh, uh, you know, uh, reached the highest level uh, since February of 2020, and the 10-year Treasury rose from about 1.5 to 1.5 percent to about 1.77 percent. Uh, investors are were basically concerned about, uh, you know, the tighter financial conditions, including uh, uh, faster tapering of the uh, buying operations, bond buying operations. Uh, like I mentioned before, they were, in the summer, they were buying, well, for the last year and a half, they've been buying $120 billion uh, a month in uh, bonds. But according to this letter, the December number is going to be uh, 90 billion. The January number is going to be 60 billion, and the February number is going to be 30 billion. So the March number is going to be zero for bond buying, and then they're going to start to raise the federal funds rate. The indications are that uh, the federal funds rates will start to increase in March, and then the big surprise was that they started talking about uh, <clears throat> started talking about the uh, uh, rolling off their uh, part of their Federal Reserve uh, $8.76 trillion portfolio of treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. And uh, uh, the last time they did this was, uh, I think, uh, several years ago, where uh, they didn't start rolling them off until about two years after they started to raise the uh, interest rates. Now they're. It sounds like they're uh, are contemplating starting to roll off faster than two years, like maybe two months. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens. You know, the the, the high tech, uh, some of the high tech uh, uh, stocks took a hit because uh, basically, as uh, the the as the uh, interest rates increase, then stocks that are, uh, you know, that have high uh, valuations because they're going to make money in the future, but uh, they're going to have spent billions of dollars in the short term to get to that future. Well, those those uh, those type of uh, high tech uh, uh, stocks will be hit, and they were hit, and. But the uh, the big uh, guys like Apple and Microsoft and things of this nature that uh, are not they're they're cash generating machines right now. Uh, they didn't take as big a hit as the uh, as the rest of them did. So uh, to me, it, it's uh, it's a, a case of you look at the U.S. economy and say everywhere you look. Uh, it's it's struggling, but it's struggling to move forward. In other words, it is it's a strong economy, 
Uh, we don't have the workers that we need. Uh, we've got problems that have to be overcome, but uh, there's still a tremendous amount of strength there. And, uh, um, you know, it, it, good. this is Jim McAleese. Um, stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. As we look forward to the new year, we all make resolutions, and they, some will be difficult to keep, but in most cases, they'll be worthwhile. But first, you have to identify what you want to change, and then you decide to do it. When we were young, we had dreams and expectations. We imagined things. We kept thinking about things that to be and what we uh what we will become and we grew up and we achieved some of these dreams and we accepted our successes and our failures and hey basically we've moved on the rapid change the need to do the urgent things the work the pressures the failures all basically killed part of our vision well things have changed but they cannot really take away the dreams we still have to dream form to visualize our, our desires our wants, our visions of the future, even when we are considered to be too old for such things. But it's the desire to dream on and the courage to do it that's important. So visualize your goals, think about them often, talk about them, and make a commitment to your goals. The ability to dream on is one of the finest qualities of the human race. So dream on, make a plan, Set a deadline, make it a big dream, a tiny one, but follow it and get it done. So, until and, and doing this, until we meet next week for more Get Rich Slow, may God protect you and keep you safe. You have been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. 2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc., Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.